Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to show number 39 of the El Capsita Travel Talks, a podcast where people share travel stories and adventures. My name is Tony Lloyd, and I'm your host. For today's show, which just happens to be our Christmas show, I meet with a lovely young lady from England who is on a journey solo bicycling around the world to spread happiness. But before we start, I'd like to remind everyone that if you'd like to donate to the show, please take a look at our podcast notes to see how you could do so. Also want to give a special shout out and thanks to Sebastian for my Christmas gift, which is the microphone I'm talking to you on right now. Sebastian's one of our listeners, a good friend and a co-traveler. If you have not already done so, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe so that you get all the updates as soon as they come in. Take a look at our Facebook page to see the written stories. And if you're someone who likes to write, or have an idea for a future podcast, please send me an email to lcapsitotraveltalks at gmail.com. Any comments, questions, anything that you could suggest to improve on our show, please send me an email to lcapsitotraveltalks at gmail.com. Please get yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy today's show. My name is Hannah Kern. I am the founder of Hannah's Happiness Project. Um, I'm a vegan, zero waste, environmentalist, feminist, social and happiness activist that cycles across the world in order to pioneer an international happiness movement, encouraging people to respect themselves, each other, all beings and the planet. I'm currently coming to you in Glastonbury in England after I had to come home because of the pandemic and I was stuck in India for about four and a half months. When I say stuck, I was very happy in India for four and a half months. So I came back for family reasons, but I'm here now and very excited to be talking to you. Okay, well, thank you. Hannah, before we talk about the Happiness Project and what the Happiness Project is, if you could just give me a little bit about what you were doing before you started traveling. If I take you back a little bit further than that to when I came out of school, I was meant to go into law actually um, at university and I decided to go traveling instead. So straight out of school, I was very academic, but I just had this feeling that I needed to get out there and go. So I did. And then I, I deferred and decided to reapply for unis for the following year. And while I was traveling, I decided, no, I love this too much. I'm going to carry on doing this and didn't go to uni at all. I then came back and forth between the UK and lots of different countries and ended up staying in the UK a little bit whilst running two different businesses. Um, One was with my brother, which is performing arts for children. And the other was travel business um, in bespoke tailor-made high-end travel. And then I gave that up because business just, I loved business, but it wasn't, money wasn't my focus and then I was working as a tour guide uh, in Vietnam so I went straight back into travel so I had a lot of different callings um, but the one that really stood out and kind of ultimately came through was always in travel and tourism. Okay and what did your family have to say I don't know your parents what did they have to say when you decided not to go into law school or and decided that you travel was going to be your thing? I'm very, very fortunate, to be honest, because my parents really believe in me and they know that I work exceptionally hard at anything that I do. So I think initially, maybe they felt like, oh, well, if she's not going to go to university, it's a bit of a waste because, you know, she's very academically inclined. But after a while, they 
they're just so supportive i'm very very lucky so i don't i don't have that same challenge that maybe other people have had convincing their parents it's a good idea i think both of my parents really supported me in my my thirst for travel and they both love to travel as well so i was lucky like that okay so pretty cool so tell us a little bit now about what is hannah's happiness project and how it started when i was living in vietnam i was inspired by electric bicycles actually and the concept of economical ecological and sustainable travel and I didn't really want to fly anymore and I I sort of looked at a map drew a a line a squiggly line in my head connecting my home from home in Vietnam to my actual home in London yeah looked around me at all these all these people with their whole lives or whatever they were selling strapped to the back of their bikes and just thought well I can do that and the idea was born and I sort of sat with it for a while and just decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pedal the whole way. And if if I can promote some really valuable lessons and things that I, I'm passionate about and want to share, if I do something ridiculous like that, people will have to listen to what I have to say. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that was the sort of foundation. And, and the more I, I developed my views as an activist, whether it was looking at you know, environmentalism or feminism or being vegan and animal rights, I found that the common problem was that I felt that someone somewhere or a group of people were making a selfish decision because they weren't content with what they have. They wanted to like fulfill some kind of desire, whether that was momentary pleasure with food or money, status, power. It was to fulfill their ego because they wanted something more. Um, they weren't entirely happy. So my idea was, I do think that the way to pioneer positive social change is to inspire it, not dictate it. So instead of telling everyone what they should do or what they shouldn't do, by showing people what's possible, that empowers them into good action. So I thought, well, if I can cycle across the world as a solo vegan, zero waste woman, then anyone can cycle, anyone can be vegan and anyone can live environmentally aware. And if I inspire this, this happiness movement, then when you get someone in their best version of themselves, when they're at their happiest, they naturally make kinder, more compassionate and less selfish decisions. So I thought I'll ride my bike across the world, making people smile. And that's how I can help all of the other problems. And that's how the happiness project was kind of born, really. (laughs) Okay. Have you, were you a biker before? Were you someone who was an avid biker before you started on the road? No, no, I didn't know anything about bikes. I wasn't even very good at riding a bike, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't know how to change a tire. I hadn't ridden a bike for longer than an hour, maybe, in one one go in my life. And I hadn't had a bike since I was 10 years old. So I literally, it was just something I decided I was going to do. And, and that was the point. If I could do it, anyone could do it. Okay. That initial ride that you went from uh, Vietnam, right? Yeah. Give us some of the, I don't know, you get flat tires, different things that happen along the way. What were some of the challenges you were faced with? Yeah, I, I mean, well, so many, so many challenges. I've had a lot of flat tires. I had 13 flat tires, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, which started because, because I had no idea about bikes. I had all my weight. I had a lot of weight that I was carrying and it was all on my back tire and I had road tires and uh, 32 spokes instead of more spokes which would have given the wheel more support for such weight so I had broken spokes all the time which I didn't know how to fix I had flat tires all the time which was just a pain in the bum really um, literally and that <laughs> yeah that was just like the the sort of preliminary problems 
But I then learned how to distribute my weight and get a rack on the front of my bike, which helped to solve that problem a little bit more. I eventually got more spokes and changed the rims of my tires and the tires themselves, which helped that. I had a pedal snap off. I got run over in India by a drunk driver. Um, I got stuck in a place where I had to push my bike through 30 kilometers of mud in the middle of monsoon season. So, you know, so many things, but they are 100% my best memories. Mm-hmm. All of the struggles. Well, I think the most important part there is that you create an objective and you go after your objectives. And along the way, you will learn how to get from point A to point B. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. It's like about, I want to go to point B and they try to map the whole thing out. But I think as you go along, as long as you maintain your objective, you will find the way. Oh, 100%. It's the same as anything thing in life. You know, you can say, I want to become a lawyer. Um, but then you say, oh, there's seven years of law school. And of course, you know, there's seven years of law school and you know that you're going to have to go through those motions. But actually, you only have to tackle the first bit. And then once you've conquered the first bit, you look at the next year. And then when you conquer that year, you look at the next year and and you progress and you learn the skills that you need, like you said. And I didn't know how to fix everything on a bike. I still don't know how to fix everything on a bike. But actually, when something goes wrong, it gives me the opportunity to learn it. And if you look at the top of a mountain, you can see a huge task to get at the top of the mountain. Or you can look at the next 10 meters or 20 meters in front of you. And then you're a little bit closer to that top. And, and it, the same applies to everything in your life, you know, like have a goal, but don't focus on just the goal, like be where you are and enjoy where you are and strive to be a little bit further. And actually like that's, you'll always get where you need to be, just maybe not at the same rate as someone else. And that's okay. Perfectly said. So what's this year looked like? 2000, the year 2020, what's that looked like for you? What Explain to us a little bit about what your 2020 looks like. So far, I've spent the majority of my time, I spent the majority of my year in India. So I had New Year in Gawati, which was in Northeast. So that was after I got run over. So I was sort of getting better and nursing Queenie, my bike better, okay. um, getting ready to go through Meghalaya, which is honestly one of the places in the world that I've been that has fully blown my mind it's not a massively known travel destination and it should be because it is one of the most exceptional places you will ever, ever go. So Meghalaya, uh, which is one of the seven sister states in Northeast India. So I spent my first month there cycling through with a Spanish woman um, who is also a solo cyclist. So she reached out to me via Instagram when she was, she saw um, like following my stories that I was in Assam and uh, we met up for Christmas and New Year and then we ended up cycling together for a month. Um, and yeah, just spectacular natural scenery, phenomenal mountains, just the most incredible waterfalls, really rich local culture. Yeah, just Megalaya, incredible. Add it to your list. Um, check, oh. out, check out a place called uh, Nongriat really really special um oh, okay we'll add that to the podcast notes but you you jumped into another question that i usually ask people and i and, and if that's the place then then the question will just continue from there so 
I usually ask one of your wow moments. What it was one of your wow moments? It, it could be the place or it could just be a feeling that you had. I have so many of those feelings. It's uh... one of them. <laughs> that's, I know that when you're traveling, that sometimes that's why we travel because it's building on these wow moments all the time. Yeah? Definitely. Rainbow Falls in Cherrapunji and Nongriat in Meghalaya was definitely a wow moment for me. I, a lot of people told me you need like you, oh, you'll love it there. It's really nice there. But when I got there, I just couldn't understand why people hadn't stressed it to me a little bit more of how spectacular it was. And I think Yesenia, the, the girl I was, the woman I was cycling with as well, she also shares this extreme passion for nature and both of us were just so overwhelmed by how incredible this place is. So you have to walk three and a half thousand steps down into this jungle. Obviously, the only way to get back up is to walk the three and a half thousand steps back up as well. But there is this canyon, like there's no flat anywhere. So you're everything is really steep so which is why they've got all the steps so you're constantly either moving down or moving up moving down or moving up so you know you you get pretty fit pretty quickly but it's sort of this micro community down down there and it's it's just such a special quiet place where there are just it's just untouched beauty you just get lost by yourself completely undisturbed in just huge waterfalls and nature and rivers just incredible really incredible so that was definitely a wow moment for me also giving um my ted talk was a a huge i gave a ted talk in india um which was a a really massive wow moment for me uh something i never imagined i would have the opportunity to do so that was i'm cool. jealous <laughs> i actually saw that <laughs> ted talk by the way i did see it <laughs> Oh, I hope you liked it. And I will add it to the link of our podcast notes so others can see it also. Oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. Yeah, that would be great. Um, that was pretty special. That was in a, also a beautiful place, actually. Ranchi is a, a city, but the, the state of Jharkhand is not very visited by tourists. And there's a lot of really beautiful, like amazing natural beauty and also tigers around there, which is obviously very rare as well. So, yes, another wow wow place is Bangladesh for me Bangladesh really touched touched me in a special way very intense place to travel as a woman intense in just intense is the word for Bangladesh the whole experience from start to finish but overwhelmed with love um, and a really rich beautiful culture in many many ways so not for everyone but something that that will stick with me for a really long time so 2020 started off powerfully with Meghalaya then Bangladesh then a TED talk and then lockdown for four and a half months and then like the whole coronavirus situation so there's been a lot of wow moments (laughs) okay and actually you said about it being very intense for a place to uh, to travel as a woman had you had any restrictions you find as a female traveler where people were like okay no you can't go there Yes, of course, you get, um, in religious places, you get it all the time, um, that you're not allowed to go into certain religious places like temples um, or mosques or synagogues, you have to be separated. Also, people expect you to be less capable of things because you're a woman. Or, you know, one of the top questions that I get asked is, where's your husband or your boyfriend? And then after that, I get, what would you do when you get a flat tire 
which I know they would never ask a man that question, you know, in the same situation, which is highly infuriating. Um, but yeah, it also gives you the opportunity to sort of shatter those expectations and those social expectations of you um, or, you know, the, just the female, fem- like females as, as a whole, because especially in these cultures, in these more like less developed cultures, the women's role is very different to the way that you know we live in the UK or um, other westernized countries and and I think it's um, it's really important to empower women through again through doing so it helps to chat, like hold these questions these these conversations which um, are really really valuable you do also face a lot of sexual harassment everywhere Okay. everywhere as a solo female traveler i've been running hostels now for 20 years and it's actually quite interesting because i've noticed that there's actually a lot more single female travelers than single male travelers a lot of the females that come through they still as you said the the things that you just went through uh with the sexual harassments people whistling at them at the streets and in in most cases Obviously, it's just like people are catcalling, and, I, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, but what I mean is that there's no direct confrontation. So people are making hissing sounds and so forth. And, so, and, as, and again, taxi drivers are always asking them where their husbands or their boyfriends are. And quite a few of the females that I've met uh, throughout the years, they make up a pretend husband. So do you have a pretend husband? My husband is actually going to meet me at the other end when, when you know, he's, I'm on my way to see him right now. And then when they ask him, oh, so where is he from? They usually say, okay, he's this tall. They have a, a description of a, of a pretend husband. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't do that because I don't personally feel scared and I think if you do feel scared, it's a really, really good technique. But for me, part of my mission is to be able to stop this, this attitude toward women. And, and in order to do that, I have to challenge it, not pretend and hide around it. You know, me saying I have a husband allows someone that doesn't have a husband to still be targeted in that way. So me standing as a strong solo woman challenges that narrative so that's really important for me but if you feel if someone feels uncomfortable as a solo female traveler I think it's a great technique um, and really really useful Um, but for me no I'm I'm the complete opposite I say I'm not married I don't need a husband I don't want a husband I do everything myself thank you (laughs) You Um, so I go the other way but that's that that is because I'm very confident in my style of travel, I'm confident to look after myself and to protect myself. But of course, that does leave you vulnerable in some ways as well. That's a choice I, I readily make to stand against, to, to stand for women, essentially. Yeah. Okay, perfectly fine. Your show that we're recording right now will come out just, it'll be the, the last show just before Christmas. Could you share us travel Christmas memory? Yeah, well, I'll tell you the the last one that I had actually was uh-huh. in Assam in India when just after I got run over two days before, I was staying with an Indian family um, who were amazing and lovely. Also with Yesenia, she came to meet me and I had a friend from home also meet me. So I had a lot of different mixed cultures all in in one place and we got together in another friend's apartment we just sang songs and made the most over the top 
curry di- curry based dinner for Christmas Day. And we had one guy from Northeast India. We had all the Indian family. I had one of my friends from home and this new solo traveler. And we all kind of came together and in- enjoyed a weird city Christmas. But it was one of my favorite Christmases that I've ever had, actually, even though I was still sort of recovering from being run over. And it was a reminder that you can make the best of any situation anywhere you are and, and your spirit is always like carried with you. So that was a, it was really nice for me actually. So yes, the last Christmas in India, unexpected, but nice, beautiful. I can see myself in that situation with your, <laughs> at your, at your Indian Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah. So this year has been really challenging for everyone. People who are traveling, people who are not traveling, we're coming towards the end of the year. So what are some of your visions for the coming year? So I'm actually going to be launching a, a, a micro organization under what I'm doing called the Female Empowerment Tour Collective. And I'm looking to get funding to sail a fleet of women across the Atlantic next year. So between November and March is the sailing season. And um, I've got about between 40 and 50 women that want to come and do this, some with sailing experience, some without. I have no sailing experience, just like I had no biking experience. And the idea is to um, yeah, sail an all-vegan female crew across the Atlantic from the Canaries to the Caribbean. Okay. And then set up a tour around impoverished communities basically teaching free educational or sport-based or anthropological workshops to share our skills of the skills of all the women on board for free you know give these these workshops to young women that wouldn't have access to them and the idea of the female empowerment talk collective is again to to share celebrate and empower women all over the world organizing meetups sharing stories just like what you're doing uh, enabling these things through sort of different different types of travel experiences um and yeah so that's that's my big exciting plan for next year hopefully it's all going to be possible with with coronavirus so if anyone is listening and wants to get involved in that please do contact me um because i'd love to hear from you and um yeah once once i have more information which i'm working on at the moment then we can start organizing meetups or obviously covid permitting and stuff to bring a very diverse community of women together to sail across the atlantic so that means you'll make it to the continent the south american continent Yes. And then I, well, after I've sailed, I'm going to cycle down to Patagonia and up to Alaska alone. Okay. So definitely at some point along the way, we're going to meet. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm very excited about that. Can't uh, wait. Okay. So that's, that's going to be really cool. We're coming towards the end. I'd like you to, if you, you know, if you have any final words or wishes that you'd like to say to the audience for the coming year. I think it's very easy to get caught in, what we project our expectations to be on anything in life, whether that's individual relationships, you know, situations that happen to us, our jobs or whatever. And coronavirus has sort of shaken all of that up. And I know a lot of people had travel plans that have had to change, but just instead of seeing it as a limitation or something that's, that stopped us doing what we want, let's see it as an opportunity to do something new for me. This has given me the chance to explore things in my own country, to help my own people in in a way that I never would have if it wasn't for this situation. And it's going to make me appreciate all that I wanted to do even more. So 
instead of looking so, so far in advance, see what opportunities around you, explore the places that you didn't even know were there to explore. Yeah, value all of our experiences from the small to the large. It doesn't always have to be this massive epic trip. Just the little ones a few villages away can also be super special. So um, that's really grounded me this year. And, and I hope other people have taken the same from their experience too. Oh, super. You know, we could talk for a long time. I definitely on board with all the different things that you're saying. And it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you, having a cup of tea together from, <laughs> from a distance, the social distancing. It was a pleasure talking with you today. I'm going to end it here now. And then we could have you on maybe another time again. When I get to Ecuador, for sure. Oh, we'll, definitely. Uh, we'll record part two or three or whatever we're at by that point. Um, we a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much, Tony. It was so lovely to speak with you. Thank you for listening. As always, if you're interested in contacting Hannah for any one of her projects, please take a look at our podcast notes to see how you could do so. Also in the podcast notes, you'll find information on how you could donate to the show. All contributions will be gratefully appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe so you get all the updates as soon as they come in on any one of the podcast providers. If you have any questions or comments, on how I could improve this show, please send me a mail to lcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. As always, I hope to see you sometime here at the El Capacito in Cuenca, Ecuador, or our sister location in Quito. I would like to wish you and your loved ones the best of this holidays, and for everyone, hoping that next year will give us the opportunity to travel again. Bye for now, and please stay safe. Mm-hmm.